Hey guys, this is Rocky, and you're listening to the God Loves Miami podcast. I want to welcome you to today's episode, and I also want to encourage you to follow us on social media at God Loves Miami on Instagram and Facebook so that you can find out all that we are about and what God is calling us to do in our city. And now here's Pastor Mark. I remember when Leilani and I were getting ready to start our family, right? I had proposed to her, and um, she's like, okay, so... You proposed to me, now where we're going to live? And I'm like, I don't know, in an efficiency in Hialeah somewhere, or like, we'll rent. And she's like, no way, we're not going to throw our money away. And so we started visiting a bunch of different, like, new developments that were going up around the area where we grew up. And, and so we would go to different places, and one day she's like, babe, I think I found where we want to live. I drove by there, these beautiful models, and so um, meet me here. And she said, meet me here because uh, we weren't allowed to, like, go anywhere alone. And you'd think, like, oh, how old were you when you got married? 16? No, we were 23, I think. So we would show up in, like, different cars and stuff, which is the way you want to raise your daughter. All right, Louis? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so we get there, and I show up, and when I get out of the car, she's like, you're dressed like that? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm wearing jeans, flip-flops, and a T-shirt. She's like, Ugh. So we go to our appointment, and the lady's like super rude, doesn't really give us the time of day. And then she's like, you know, we have a big waiting list. I'm like, well, can we get on the waiting list? She's like, ah, I, I don't think, you know, it's worth it because you're not going to make it. And then when we get in, you know, walking towards the car, she goes, it's all your fault because you look like a bum. You know, and she's giving me this whole lecture about the reason why they didn't put us on the waiting list was because of my chancletas. You know, is anybody wearing chancletas to church? I see a couple of toes in the front row. Um, and uh, so I felt terrible. And then the next time we went to see a model, I wore a three-piece suit, you know. And uh, then they thought I was a waiter at La Carreta, right? And, uh, and so, you know, we ended up not getting that house and... And then we ended up getting the, another house. And a couple of months ago, we're actually driving by that neighborhood where the perfect model was. And she looks at me. She goes, I'm so glad you wore chancletas that day. Because the neighborhood is horrible. Look, the things aren't painted. And look at, you know, it's just a really rundown neighborhood. And, and I'm like, you see, God used my stinky toes to protect us from getting this. And you know, this happens to us all, all the time. We, we go through a situation in our life and we think that the world like is falling apart, right? You know, the sky is falling, like a little problem happens. And, and then we're like, oh my gosh, Lord, why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening? And yet we don't know the future, but I can tell you there is someone that knows the future and it's God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're starting a brand new series, and it's called Paparazzi. And the reason we're calling it Paparazzi, because the paparazzi, they're always taking pictures of people, right? You know, and like right now, there's a paparazzi in the second row to the left. Everybody, say hi to Oscar. What's up, Oscar? And, uh, but, but that's how life is. We tell people that we want to change. You tell people, hey, you know, I'm staying away from carbs. And as soon as they see you walking by a bagel, they're like, what are you doing by the, getting that bagel, right? You know, and, and as Christians, we, we try to live for God. We try to make the right choices. And it doesn't matter immediately when you make a mistake or someone hears you say something. They're like, I thought you were a Christian. And yet... God gives us a manual in the Bible. The book of James is actually one of my favorite books in the Bible. And I believe that it is a book that as Christians, all of us need to learn, which is why as a new church, 
um, we're, we're launching our beginning of series through this book. See, James was the brother of Jesus. Some people didn't know that. Some people didn't know that Jesus had brothers. James was Jesus' brothers. And we know from studying the Bible that Jesus' family, his brothers, really didn't believe that he was the Messiah. I mean, think about it. Just like on a plain, like, you know, unspiritual way. Imagine growing up and Jesus being your brother. He's like the kickball champ. You know, your dad's teaching you how to like, his, their dad was a carpenter, how to, how to build a table. And Jesus is like carving some giant sculpture, right? The perfect brother, perfect score, perfect. Uh, so when he tells his, you know, the, the, his brothers that he's the Messiah, they're like, yeah, right. You know, so his family, they didn't believe that. Yet we know that after the resurrection, his family was in the upper room. They were praying, you know, through his life and his testimony, his family became believers that he was sent by God. And so James is beginning to write this book and he doesn't say, I'm James, I'm the brother of Jesus. I beat, I beat him in kickball once, you know. He, we know for sure he's not Cuban because if he was Cuban, he would have said, yo, ese es mi hermano, pero yo soy el hermano de Jesús, Right? I'm Jesus' brother. Immediately, we would have all bragged and said, Jesus was my, my big brother. And yet, when he begins to write the book, he says this. He calls himself a bondservant of Jesus. Not just a regular servant, not someone who worked in Jesus, but a bondservant. A bondservant is a slave in Jesus' time, someone who had no rights. And so his brother said, you know what? I am a bondservant of Jesus. And I believe that we are going to grow closer and closer to God as we go through this study. And so I want to encourage you to not only come, but bring friends with you, because I believe when we're done with this series, we're going to be heading up right up to Easter, studying this book. All of us are going to be stronger in our faith and we're going to be drawn closer to God. And so let's start reading James chapter one. It says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind. I don't know about you, but that sounds a little crazy, but we're going to keep reading. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Today I want to share four facts of life that you need to know. The first one is that problems are inevitable. You are going to have problems in life. We're going to encounter problems. It doesn't say if you encounter problems. It says whenever. So we have to count on it. We are going to have difficulties in life. I know we don't want to hear that, but it's going to happen. And a lot of us know this better than others. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Peter said, don't be surprised when you have problems. We can count on it. Problems are not an elective. They're, they're required course. So next time you go through a situation in your life, instead of griping and wondering, why is this happening? Ask God, God, what are you trying to do in my life? All right? We, we don't get out of problems by saying, I don't want this to happen in my life. We must endure. The second thing is that problems are unpredictable. We cannot predict when we're going to have problems. It says, whenever you face problems. 
this word in the Greek, you guys know the New Testament was written in Greek. It's peripito, all right? It literally means to fall into unexpectedly. It's like a pothole in Hialeah. You don't know it's there, right? Or in Little Havana. I remember growing up with my father and we were, we were driving around. My dad worked like driving around and visiting clients and delivering, you know, uh, printing. He, he was a printer for, for a season of his life. And, and I remember every time he would hit a pothole, he would go, me caso en Raul Martinez. You know, he's like, darn Raul Martinez. I was the, the mayor of Hialeah when I was growing up. We cannot anticipate problems. We're going to experience problems in life. And that's probably good because we can prepare ourselves and make sure that we are strong so when the problems happen, we are ready to confront them. We, we must take time and, and spend time with God and say, God, I know that there's going to be problems in life and I just pray that when they come that I am ready, that I am strong enough to endure them. It also says that there's problems of many kinds. There's many different types of problems. You may have been going through something a month ago. You know what? But next month you're going to go through something different. In the Greek it says many kinds. And this translation is multicolored. Okay, has anybody ever tried matching paint? All right, it doesn't matter. You can have the code. But then when you go put it on the wall, it looks completely different. A few years ago, we painted, my wife wanted to paint the house light gray. And so I'm like, oh, no problem. So I show up to Sherwin-Williams, and what kind of paint do you want? And I said, light gray. And they're like, we have like 100 different light grays. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I call home, and I'm like, babe, they have like 100 different types of light grays. She goes, well, bring five. And so I'm like, she wants five. And then the guy gives me these little quartz. And so I go home, and, and we paint the wall, and they all kind of look the same to me. And then she picks one, and I'm like, babe, that looks like light blue. She goes, no, it's light gray. I'm like, are you sure? She's like, yeah. So, you know, as a good husband, you just want to make sure your wife's happy. And, and I go back to Sherwin-Williams, and I'm like, give me 20 gallons of this chip, this little thing. And we come back the next day. There's a painter. It's on a Sunday. So I'm like, look, we're going to go to church early in the morning. Can you just paint my whole house? And by the time we come back, the house is painted. He's like, wow, hey. I'm like, bro, just get a couple of your buddies and paint the house. And so the guy, we, we had a long lunch. We got to the house. The entire house was painted. And when she walked in, guess what she said? It's like blue. But forget it, forget it, forget it. Just keep it. And I'm like, no way. I'm not going to live in this house for two years. Every single day, ah, oh, the house is like blue. And so I told the guy, I'm like, listen, bro. And she's like, don't tell him, don't tell him, don't tell him. So I take him outside and I go, bro, I will pay you to repaint the house. And I'll give you a tip. Just don't tell my wife that I told you to repaint the house. And so the next day we all go to work and now Monday the guy comes with his whole, whole crew of, I don't know um, if they had legal papers or not, and they repainted my house, all right? And then my wife came and she goes, thank you, babe. Thank you for not listening to me, all right? And now our house was gray. See, there's problems of every kind. The same way there was a hundred different types of light grays. Each and every one of us go through different problems in our life. The fourth thing is that problems are purposeful. There is a purpose for the situation that you're in. All right, see, pain can be productive. All right, my, my friend Alex Miranda, who you're gonna hear from in a little bit, he had a CrossFit competition. And we were hanging out for my birthday this week, and we were with a group of guys, and the guy wouldn't eat chicken wings. He was just drinking water and eating celery. And I'm like, bro, it's my birthday. He's like, yeah, but I have a competition tomorrow. And even though it pained him not to enjoy all the stuff we were doing, and he left early because he had to go work out, all right, for his competition, 
Pain was productive and he did pretty well in his competition. See, problems purify our faith. Problems purify our faith. Job said this, he, was, he tested me through the refining fire and I have come out as pure as gold. You know how gold becomes purified? It's like heated and heated and heated and heated until all the impurities, all the particles, all the minerals that are not pure come out. See, sometimes we're going through situations in our life and we are being purified. See, the first things that trials do is that they test our faith. They purified us. I've learned that Christians, they're a lot like tea bags. You don't know what's inside of them until you put them in hot water. And then all of a sudden, we see their true colors and, and their, true, their true flavor. See, your faith develops when things that you don't plan happen. It's like, man, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, but how did you act when that happened? Your faith is developed when you don't feel like doing what's right but you do it. How many times have we gone through a difficult moment in our life and instead of doing what God wants us to do, what we really, really, really want to do is whatever we want. I don't want to. My kids are now 11 and 12 and 7. And like the older they get, the more they don't want to do what we ask them to do. Like last night, we, we went to, to a Mexican restaurant and we love Mexican. Anybody loves Mexican? I love the Mexican people and the Mexican food, right? And uh, I love Mexico and Epcot as well. Does anybody else love Mexico and Epcot? And I also love my friend Miguel, the Mexican back there. He's an awesome guy. I love him very much. Um, he makes me cry every time I talk to him. He, I don't know if he knows that. When he calls me on the phone, he's like, yo te quiero tanto. He tells me like so many nice things and it just like touches me right there. But back to uh, Mexican food. So we're eating Mexican. And Stella's like, I don't eat Mexican. And I'm like, What? You've been eating Mexican your whole life. You love chips. You love cheese. I don't eat Mexican, papi. We're like, oh, my gosh. And so, you know, I'm a little more lenient on her. And, and you could pray for me just to be fair with my children. And my wife hasn't said amen this entire preaching. And she just said amen in the front row. Um, and so I'm like, baby, what do you want? You, mean, you want me to Uber Eats you something to the restaurant? I literally asked her that. You know, um, she's like, ah, I hate Mexican, you know, and she just looks so cute because she had just competed for dance and she had makeup and her hair was up. I mean, she looks super cute. And, and, uh, and, and Leilani is like, no, she's going to eat whatever we have here. Right. And I'm like, baby, it's my birthday and we're, we're having dinner as a family. I don't want Mexican, you know, and, and you know what? She did not have a good night because she didn't choose to endure the trial that she was going through. See, the testing of your faith, it also fortifies your patience. How many people want patience? Man, the testing of your faith produces patience. Here he's talking about staying in power. Do you know that when you lose your patience, you lose your power? How many times, I mean, I think most of us, we want to control things. We want to be able to manage life and manage the situations that we're in. Yet when trials come, we lose our cool. It's like you're getting into traffic on 95 and all of a sudden you hit the gas and let go of the steering wheel. What's going to happen? A disaster. And so if you wonder why disasters happen in life, it's because many times that's how we act. When we're, we're in a trial, when, when there's stress, when there's things, unpredictable things happen in our life, it's like traffic on 95. All right, I think the best thing to do here is to let go of the steering wheel, close my eyes, and floor the gas, right? You I mean, you'd probably be arrested, sent to an insane asylum. I mean, you'd probably, you, it's terrible, right? 
It costs you a lot of money and a lot of pain. And not just that, it's going to hurt a bunch of people. Not just the people that you have the accident with, but your family members, your children, your friends, your career. And so, hey, next time we're in a problem, say, God, I thank you because you're trying to make me stronger. You're trying to make me better. And and I'm not trying to tell you here that, that God is sending problems your way. I'm just trying to tell you that God can teach you and use your problems to help you be stronger, to help you not to give up. See, there was a time in my life for patience. Man, I prayed for patience, and I prayed for patience, and and guess what happened? I had more problems. But finally, after a while, I realized that I was a lot more patient than I was when I first started out. I honestly, I'm a pretty patient guy, I'm pretty calm, I'm not aggressive, I don't really get upset all the time, but if there's something that drives me nuts, speaking of letting go of the the gas and and the steering wheels, like these things have crossed my mind. Traffic drives me crazy. Bad drivers, even though my wife tells me I'm the worst driver ever. Um... Traffic drives me nuts. Being in line at Winn-Dixie drives me nuts. I hate it because there's five registers. There's no one there and there's four people talking in the corner. And I'm like, hello, you know? And uh, I didn't know, honestly, that I had a problem with this. And I've told some people this. And one day I hear my son, Caleb, who's like the sweetest boy you'll ever meet. He gives great hugs. So if you see him in the halls, you can give him a hug. Caleb is telling his brother, you're such an idiot. What's your problem? And we walk into the room and Leilani's like, Caleb, why are you doing that? And like, we don't talk like that to each other at home. And, and, and I'm like, Caleb, man, why are you doing that? He's like, who taught you how to talk like that? And they're like, Poppy did. And I'm like, Poppy did? I never talk like that. And Stella, we can thank her because she is the girl. She's the tattletaler and she tells on all of us. She's like, you do that every single day. I'm like, I never do that. She's like, you do it. When we're driving to school in the morning, you tell every woman driving that she's an idiot. And you tell everybody that's stuck in the middle of traffic, what's wrong with you, man? And, and I'm, I didn't realize that. I had a serious problem. And I am a lot better at it. You see, problems and patience, it teaches us how to live life when there's traffic jams. When the grocery lines are long. When we're waiting in periods of life. See, sometimes we have periods of life where we're like, man, I asked for a raise and I didn't get it. I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for my wife, for my husband, for my kids to change. And and why isn't it happening? See, the trials in life, the problems in life give us patience. They make us stronger. They draw us closer to God. And third is that problems... They sanctify our character. They make us more like Jesus. They help us to be mature. They help us grow. Just think about yourself. I'm sure you're a lot more patient now than when you were a child. You're a lot more patient now with certain things after you've learned what it takes. You see, whenever we make cookies at home, my wife is a a cookie monster. And so if you ever want to get her on your side, you just give her a bunch of chocolate chip cookies and they must be gooey. Right, But the kids, as soon as we, like, it hasn't even come out of the roll. It's still cold. And they're like, well, are the cookies ready? Are the cookies ready? Are the cookies ready? And yet me and my wife, we are patient because we usually make cookies, like, right before their bedtime. Because we know that by the time that the cookies are ready, the kids are asleep. And then we can enjoy the cookies without the kids. 
And so you see, problems, they sanctify our character, they help us to grow, they mature us. In James, it says that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Think about that. How many things do you want, do you need in life? And God is telling us that the testing of our faith produces perseverance, that you may be mature, that you may be complete, and that you would lack nothing. If you want the secret to receiving the things that you need in life, have patience, trust in God, even in the darkest moment, even in the times of your life when you don't understand why things are happening, trust God that he just wants to give you what you need so that you do not lack nothing. See, the Christian life, it's about character. And patience produces character. So many Christians I talk to have absolutely no idea what God's agenda is for their life, what God really wants for their life. They don't know what's happening. They're overwhelmed all the time. Why are these things happening to me? Why are these problems? See, God's number one purpose in your life is to make you more like Jesus. God is more interested in building your character than making you comfortable. I'm going to say that again. God is more interested in building your character than making you comfortable. Think about all of us have that person in our life that sadly, we, when we, we probably don't say this, some of you do. You're like, oh, he's a loser. She's a loser. Oh, my cousin or my brother or my friend. Hey, have you ever heard of Pablo or Jose or Jim? Oh, man, that guy. He's, he's lost. Oh, that, that girl, she's done nothing with her life. She's been in and out of relationships. And many times, these were the cool kids when we went to school. They were the ones that had their car before their 16th birthday. They lived in the posh houses. They had all the cool toys and all the cool clothes. When you were working as a bag boy, when you were hustling, helping your parents or whatever it may be, and they're like, oh, my parents don't give me chores. My parents don't make me do anything. My parents are so cool. They don't care if I'm up late. They don't care if I'm on the phone all night. Those are the kids that when they grow up, are the ones that their lives are completely falling apart because their parents tried to make them comfortable instead of building character. Parents, think of that. There's a couple of pregnant people in the room. You have the opportunity to raise the most amazing children ever. Be focused on their character, not on their comfort. Focus on that. You see, if my wife would have allowed me, I would have Uber-eated Stella, whatever she wanted, to a restaurant. That's crazy. Just talking about that now, that's crazy. Yet my wife wants to make sure that our daughter is a daughter of character. You see, and so I'm standing up here not as someone who's figured it out, but someone who's in this race with you, that's on this journey with you, and we're all growing together. And so we know that, that hey, we're going to have problems. They're inevitable. We can't predict them. They're all different kinds of problems. So how do we handle our problems? Right? Pastor Mark, you've convinced us that we're going to have problems. I didn't need to come to church to understand and learn that we're going to have problems. But how do we handle our problems? And James, the brother of Jesus, who didn't believe that he was the Messiah, I mean, hit it right on the nose. He said to rejoice. I mean, that sounds crazy. Next time you have a problem, like, yes, like I have a problem. James said this, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials. And don't misunderstanding. It's not like, yes, it's not faking it. It's not like you're in a photo booth and you're putting on the mustache and the smile. Like, you know, that's not what James is saying. 
God is not asking you to deny reality. If you need to cry, cry. He's not asking us to be masochist. God is saying, I understand. You're going to have struggles. You don't have to love the struggle. We don't rejoice for the problem. We rejoice in the problem. So you may be going through something in your life right now, and God's not saying, ignore it. Don't deny it. But in the midst of your problem, rejoice. You see, um, Paul and Silas were in prison once, thrown in prison for doing good. And um, in the middle of the night, they were beaten, they were naked, they were bleeding, probably had broken bones. And I don't know about you, but if I get thrown in jail for standing on this stage, for talking about Jesus, I can't tell you that I'll be sitting in a prison being like, thank you, God. I'd be like, but... What's your problem, God? Well, I was talking about you. I'm helping people. We're making sacrifices. And yet in the midst of their trial, the Bible tells us that they started to sing. And they were singing so loud that the prison people are like, shut up. What's wrong with you? You freak. You know, they're they're screaming at them, mocking them. And then the Bible tells us that the earth shook and that the doors of the prison flung open. And not only were they set free. But everybody else was set free too. God can use your problems to set you free and set your family free and set the people around you free if you choose to rejoice in the midst of trial. See, there's this big misunderstanding, okay? I'm not talking about thanking God for the problem. First Thessalonians says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ. It says, in everything, not for everything. And so... You guys know we had a gala a couple weeks ago. It was kind of here. The stage was there. And we raised a bunch of money to start the church and to help the poor and the needy in Miami. And three days, three days before the gala, I got a call from the sound guy. And the sound guy says, hey, I know we agreed on a price, but I can't do it. And it's going to cost four times or three times more, a little more than three times. And I'm like, bro, like, you know, we budgeted for this. And. Everything that we pay you, it's coming from what we're raising. And old Mark would have freaked out. But the more mature Mark, especially after February 22nd, which was my birthday a couple days ago, I'm a year more mature and accepting gift cards and any type of presents and meat that you want to throw my way. Um, And uh, I said, you know what, man? It's good. We don't need it. And he's like, uh, it's a dance party. Lucy Lopez is the host and Mijo's the DJ. Like, how are you guys going to play music? And I'm like, I don't know. But, you know, you promised me something and now you're, you're not honoring that. You don't have character. And I canceled the, the thing. A couple hours later, I still hadn't tried to figure it out. I'm not being irresponsible, but I told God, God, this is not a surprise for you. He's not like, oh, Wow. Look what happened to Mark, and look what happened to the Love Unlimited Gala. And, it was, and, and I told God, this isn't a surprise to you. And I was upset, but this isn't a surprise to you, God. And then a friend calls me and says, hey, how are things going? And I'm like, bro, um, I don't know why you're calling me, but things aren't going well. Did you hear anything? Because, you know, the word travels quick in church world and stuff. And, and he's like, no, nah, man, I'm, you know, I know you're having the gala. I just want to let you know that we're praying for you. Can I help you? And I said, bro, my sound guy just called me and said that he was going to charge us almost four times 
what he had agreed on, and we can't uh, afford that, bro. And, and he's like, oh, call this guy. He's like, wait a minute, I'm going to call him and tell him to call you. And we met Greg. Greg's the guy that um, got us all the sound that we have here on the stage. He's been running sound for us for a couple of weeks now, a couple of months. And the truth is this, that we wouldn't be able to afford any of this stuff, but God connected us with a great Christian man that today told me with tears in his eyes, I believe in the vision that God has given you. Whatever I can do to serve you, I'm here. And you see, um, Mark was freaking out on the inside, but then I realized that there is nothing that I could have done by freaking out to solve the problem that I was in. There was nothing that I could have done, but I trusted God and God came through. I trusted God and not only did he come through, but God had a better plan. See, my plan was call this guy, book the audio and check it off my list. But God said, I have a bigger plan. It's not just about the audio for one event. I want to provide audio for the rest of the events forever. And not just that, I want to bless a man that loves me, that owns the audio company to be part of the ministry that's happening here. Do you guys know that in three weeks, 67 people have given their life to Christ? 67 people are going to live forever. And Greg's going to get to heaven one day and Jesus is going to thank him for being a part of what we're doing in this church. And he's going to thank every single one of you that serve here, every single one of you that have given to support this ministry, you are a part. Those 67 people are going to meet Jesus because in one way or another, you have been part of what God is doing here. There was this famous Jewish psychologist, his name is Viktor Frankl. He wrote this, he was in a Nazi concentration camp. And he said this, they stripped me naked, they took everything, my wedding ring, my watch. I stood there naked and all of a sudden I realized at that moment that although they could take my family, my possessions, they could not take away my freedom to choose how I was going to respond. They took everything. He's naked. He's in a Nazi concentration camp. And in that moment, he chose. They can't take my freedom on how I am going to respond. We choose to rejoice in the situation. Psalm 34, 1 says this. I will bless the Lord all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I don't know what you're going through today. And I know that for some of you, man, it's tough. It's hard. And I want you to know that God is there for you, that God loves you, and that God is for you. And that's why the second thing that we need to do is request. We need to request. We need to pray all the time. Pray when you've got problems. And for some of you say, man, I'm, I'm going to have to pray 24-7. I can't sleep because I feel like I always have a problem. Pray. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. And, and prayer isn't like the beautiful prayers that, that maybe Tanya led us in today or that you've heard some other very spiritual person pray. Praying is just talking. It's just talking and saying, God, I trust you. I don't trust myself. I don't trust how I am going to get out of this, but I trust that you are for me and that you love me. And I will endure this trial. I will see a way out. That God is for you. But, but what do I pray about, Pastor Mark? Verse 5 says this, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives it generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. We got to pray for wisdom in the midst of our trial, in the midst of our hardship. 
Don't waste the opportunity to grow. Something's going on in your life right now. Don't waste this opportunity to draw closer to God, to become stronger. The third thing is relax. My son Caleb, when he was a little boy, he would say, re-wax, papi, re-wax. Because Leilani would always tell me to relax. And it's okay, but I can't tell her to relax because I'd be in big trouble. Does any other husband get in trouble when he tells his wife, look, they're all, hallelujah. Give me a hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There's some that are too scared, but they agree with me on the inside. I could see it. I could see it. We need to relax in the midst of our trials. Trust God and know that he knows what's best for you. Cooperate with his purpose. Don't short circuit. Don't try to look for a shortcut. See, that's what faith is. Having faith is believing in something that you don't see. And for some of us, we have no idea how we're going to get out of this. We're going to get out of this sickness, this pain, this hurt. Have faith. God says that the devil wants to use your problems to defeat you. But God wants to use your problems to develop you, to make you stronger. Which will it be today? Are you going to allow the devil to defeat you? Tanya sang a song a little bit earlier and you guys were singing it pretty loud. Not today. Tell the devil not today. Some of you are going through tough times right now and it's pretty hard. I want you to know that God cares and that God loves you and that God has a purpose for you. I love the way this chapter ends in verse 12. It says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Who wants to be blessed? I want you to raise your hand. If you want to be blessed right now, I want you to stand up. If you want to be blessed, if you want to say, God, I need your blessing. Maybe your life is great, but can you ever be too blessed? No. And God says, if we persevere, if we endure, if we finish the race, we will be blessed. God will see you through it. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this podcast has ministered to you and you would like to help us continue reaching people that need to be inspired by the word of God, please consider making a donation at GodLovesMiami.com. That's GodLovesMiami.com. And we'll see you next time on the God Loves Miami podcast.